You're listening to the Boise Community Church Podcast. We desire to be a people who are following Jesus authentically and missionally. For more information, please visit boisecommunitychurch.org. So I was born in San Francisco in the Tenderloin District. So that's kind of where I come from. Super drug infested and prostitution and super fun place. Really where you want to raise your kids. Um, lived there until I was two or three. My mom fled from my father. My dad is, he's now a recovering heroin addict. Um, he was choking my mom and she was like, he's going to kill me. He's going to kill my son. We need to, we need to, to bounce. So she moved and lived in shelters and stuff like that with me when I was little. Uh, I don't have like much memory of that. That's just kind of like what's setting the stage. Um, my dad ended up going to prison. I didn't meet him until I was around like 23, I think, or 24. He was in San Quentin for 20 years. So um, my mom, at the, my earliest memories, I had this guy that was in our lives. With my stepdad, he was an alcoholic. Every type of abuse you can imagine, I got to experience through him. Whether it was physical, emotional, sexual, I got the full gamut. Um, and like I have these memories where like I remember being five years old. throwing beer bottles at me and then making me sweep up the glass. <clears throat> that's that's my childhood. <laughs> um, super, super rough. Really gnarly. I didn't want to spend a ton of time on it because there's not a lot of good in there. Um, I grew up with two stepbrothers and a stepsister, and I have a half-sister that lives in Wisconsin. My half-sister has, my mom will say she does not have Asperger's, but when she was, she just didn't fit the formal diagnosis. She was like off by like a point, um, which I found out from my aunt when I was like 24. So I grew up with her, treated her pretty poorly because I just thought she was weird and rude and crazy um, but my stepbrothers I had one stepbrother that absolutely hated me because he thought I was trying to steal his dad I was like I don't want anything to do with your dad your dad's a nightmare um, and then my oldest stepbrother Chris was my he was like my hero and he was my hero because he he was the only guy that would go toe-to-toe with my stepdad like, I remember they went on a family vacation, and they're driving up to Oregon. And him and my stepdad get in this fight, and they're on the five, and like it's like stop and go. And my brother just jumps out of the car, and my stepdad's just like three sheets to the wind. He gets out. They start screaming at each other in the street, or in the right on the five. 
and my brother just like cocks his fist and socks my stepdad in the eye and like shattered his eye socket. And I was like, you are amazing. <laughs> this is like who I want <clears throat> to be around. So he was, everybody on that side of the family, they're all drug addicts. So my brother, my both my brothers did speed and did pot and acid and LSD and all these crazy things. So that's kind of like all dancing around in the background while I'm growing up. Um, in sixth grade, my oldest brother, so like my hero, we were doing something together and he just had this conversation with me where he's like, I think you should go to church. Like, I think you need to, to go to church. And I was like, and I'm looking at him like, yeah, like I'm going to take advice from you. Like uh, you're the one that's going to have me go to church. And then like three weeks later, he died. <clears throat> and that part, uh, it kicked my childhood into a, like a very different path. Um, I started really struggling with depression. I actually started going to church. That's how I ended up at church on Good Friday. Um, that was the first service I remember going to. The small little Lutheran church at the end of my street. Um, and so yeah, I just I had a really, really, really hard time, and um, it just it felt funky. Um, actually, that's right. I forgot to tell the story. One of the themes in my life, when I look back at my life, if life I feel like is kind of this is like the worldly mentality is kind of like "f you," I'm gonna do what I want, like I'm gonna make it happen. Doesn't matter what people tell you, you're just gonna make it happen. Um, my mom, when I was little, I wanted to play baseball because all the cool kids played baseball, and so my mom was like, "Yeah, you can play baseball. We'll get you a mitt, we'll get you a bat, do all this stuff." And my mom, and I was like, oh, you need to get a, uh, a glove and a ball too. Because I didn't have a dad that was around. And so she was like, she's like, I'm not going to do that. Like, you're just going to have to learn. And I, and I just remember sit, looking at my mom and I just started sobbing. Um, and my mom leans down and like gets eye to eye with me and is holding my hands as I'm in kindergarten. And she's like, um... You're not gonna let not having a dad define you. You're not gonna be a statistic. And so it just kind of breathed this like, you're gonna prove yourself uh, thing in me. So that was when I was five too. There's a lot of things that popped out when I was five. Um, and there was, there was just lots of abuse and different things like that. I grew up really feeling like I was just this like really troubled, really bad kid because my stepdad beat me. I got a ton of spankings when I was a kid. Um, I had a babysitter that used to beat me. So I just had this like kind of re, it was like ingrained in me like, you're just a bad kid. Um, so after my brother died in sixth grade, I started smoking pot with my, my other brother. It was like this like coming of age event where it was like we're, we're driving around in the hills and like me and Chris always wanted to do this with you and uh, it's like no 
Derek told me to just say no. <laughs> which I really said, which was awesome. Um, and then my brother was like, yeah, but it's in the Bible, man. Like, you could totally do it. God says, like, use every green herb to your advantage in Genesis. So I was like, well, it's in there. All right, let's do it. Like, so I started smoking pot. Um, so I'm struggling with junior high. I'm getting into drugs. I go into junior high. All my friends leave, and they get new friends. Uh, I end up being taken in by like the drug dealers they're the people that kind of brought me in and I became very good at the trade um, and started dealing and my grades just majorly tanked as you would imagine um, I started drinking a lot showing up to junior high drunk and high and just getting in fights all the time I think I had a record at one point of like how many referrals you could get in a year um, I remember I went into my eighth grade history class and uh, he had this like really nasally and he was this old funny guy, but he asked me, he said, Mike, where's your homework? I was like, oh, Mr. Murphy, I don't have it. He was like, well, he's like, what? Oh, I don't, I don't have it. And he just like shakes his head and he looks down. He's like standing at a, like a lectern at the front of the room. And he just looks at me and he's like, you are the biggest waste of humanity. He's like, you are not going to amount to anything. You're going to flip burgers. Uh, and so I just had this like thing where I was like, no, screw this. This is terrible. And to, to his credit, I was not doing stellar. So I don't think it's what you should probably ever say to a junior hire, but it was definitely not a positive in my life. Um, two weeks later, I started having sex for the first time slept with this girl, and she got pregnant. And so I was eighth grade, and had a, had a girl that was pregnant. And me and my dope friends were like trying to figure out like how we were, I was gonna raise a kid in junior high. And like, we're like, we'll just have to sell our skateboards and get jobs, and like, it was, it was crazy. Um, she ended up, Shara and I talked a ton about it, about her getting an abortion or not. I actually was like, which I'm amazed at back then, I was like, yeah, I think we should try to keep it or give it up for adoption or whatever. Her and her parents were like, absolutely not. She's getting an abortion. Um, and so that that happened. And then I graduated junior high two months later with my favorite thing. I got a point four. It was my graduating GPA for junior high. I passed. PE and band and I failed every other class but star testing was able to make it so if I did like summer school I could go on because I had good test taking skills um, so when I got into high school I started playing football and that was something I always wanted to do my mom was like you can play in high school I'm not paying for you to play football I'm not gonna take you to practice every night um, so I stopped doing as much drugs I started drinking a lot more, loved to fight, loved to like rumble in high school. And I, just my heart, I felt like I had to fight for everything I had. Um, everything was always like a moment from being taken away. Um, and so I just ended up like, I lived it up pretty hard in high school. I partied a lot, I had a lot of sex, became an alcoholic, super fun. Um, like, I'd sit and drink in class, 
I just had this attitude that was like, I really don't care. Um, going into my senior season, I was a decent football player. I wasn't like amazing. I'm kind of small to be a good football player, but I ended up tearing my knee going into my senior season. And I started going to this small Bible study a year before that was in this barn. Monday Night Football, we'd watch we'd watch Monday Night Football and eat pizza and this guy would get up and be like, yeah, you just need to like point to the sky and give, give praise for the big man upstairs. And so it was just this thing that kind of like opened me up to being open to going to church and checking out church. Um, and while I was in PT, I would go to PT every day for my knee. Um, and I started praying. Like I would pray during PT about my knee. And I just remember hearing some of the stories where it was like, Jesus, you've opened the eyes of the blind. You've helped people that didn't like, basically like didn't have legs, didn't grow legs and walk. And um, this should be this should be really easy for you to do. I want to finish my season. Um, and I did. I had this like miraculous recovery. I finished my football season. I did pretty well. Um, and I remember after our last game when we lost, I remember sitting on the sideline with my best friend at the time, Hubble, and we're both crying super hard. We're like, what are we going to do now? Like, do we finish school? We're so close. Like, or do we just drop out? Like, um, cause that was really the only reason we went to school. Um, and so, yeah, we just we kept going and that February, I ended up giving my life to Jesus at a church service. Okay. I can't fix it right now. Okay. Please fix it. Yeah, we'll fix it after this. Um, and so, yeah, I ended up feeling like I instantly belonged to something and I felt brought in. I was brought into leadership very, very quickly. Um, and I ended up having people that felt like father figures in my life. Um, got brought into the leadership in the youth group while I was still in high school, which was crazy. Um, and so I ended up going to Bible college and I hated it. That's where I felt called to be a pastor and eventually felt called to plant a church. Um, and I worked at my old church, Calvary Petaluma, as the summer intern. And then an opportunity came up for me to go and live in Uganda and go finish, do a semester up there. And then, uh, yeah, just live in Uganda. And I loved it. It was awesome. It was super cool just seeing that part of the world and the way people lived. And um, it was just awesome. So I ended up working for the church for three years as this intern. Uh, felt overlooked. Was doing a ton of work. Was really hard. Um, that's when I met my wife and I was really, really depressed. Um, that's when I got connected with her, um, watched as she struggled with her family dynamics. We eventually got married, which was awesome. Our dating here, like was pretty chaotic because she worked full time and went to school in the evenings. The first month that we were dating, as you heard, my truck blew up. So I had to wait till my mom got home so I could borrow her car to drive the 30 minutes to her town to be able to hang out. Um, so the, like finding time together was always really, really tough. Um, right when we got married, that's when Kylie's health took a pretty bad turn. I remember sitting and like looking at her sleep one night 
and just wondering if she was just gonna like pass because um, there had been a decent amount of death in my family and watching people die and just kind of felt like man this this I really hope this is not my experience um, after we got married I got hired as the main high school guy at our old church um, our youth group was super awkward there was 14 kids and they were like there were some odd ducks um, super funny though and then the first year we watched it grow to 75 and then we just had this like tremendous success but it wasn't any good because I had like no humility and then I watched the group go from 75 to back down to 20. And so when you feel like you did it to make it grow big, you get to feel like you did it when it goes small. <laughs> um, and yeah, church was church was fun. Like there was an aspect to it. <coughs> it gave me a place to belong where because my family was so broken and disjointed and funky. Hi, buddy. You want to come sit with me? Um, and talking about my old church is hard. I try to have the mentality of the way David operated with Saul, where it's like, you just don't touch the Lord's anointed. and Because it, it is people's experiences, and my experience is not everybody's experience. Um, but yeah, I, just, I worked super hard when I was there. I really loved... I loved what I did, and I was good at what I did. Uh, Emma was born while we were there, uh, and somebody that was in our small group, or our home group, gave me this card, which was really interesting, because it, she just had this almost like prof prophecy about like, how Emma was gonna be this child that was gonna make our family feel whole and complete, and that's what Emma's name means. It means like whole. Uh, and then, you know, two years later, Daisy was born. Daisy struggled from the beginning. I remember Kylie bringing her home the first night and feeding her in the middle of the night and waking me up out of, like, a dead sleep. Um, and we just started this journey of, like, crazy doctor appointments with barium swallow studies and cat scans and trying to make decisions on whether or not you want to put your kid under and is it really the safe decision. Um... Kylie shared the story about how Daisy had a seizure while she was in California. I was in California and Kylie was in Arizona. And I reached out to our staff, um, just just saying, hey, like my Kylie's grandpa calls me probably two hours before youth group starts, and I'm sleeping on her couch. So I wake up and I'm groggy, and he just sounds like horribly panicked. And I'm like, what is going on? And he can barely tell me what's going on. And he's just like, Daisy, and she's blue, she's not really breathing, but we're like two minutes from the hospital. And I'm like, what? And then like, he's like, I, it, I think it's going to be okay. And then just, it cuts out. And then like, that's when it happens. And then me and Kylie are kind of texting, but like, he's in like this full force trying to make sure our kids are alive. I'm meanwhile going to youth group and I'm reaching out to the staff saying like, I don't know if my kid's alive. <laughs> and I remember like, the staff member that I know genuinely didn't like me sent me a message back and it was just like, we're praying. 
and that was it. Like, was just kind of keep on going. And I remember the the heaviness where I watched a lot of close friends and close people that I really loved and did a lot of life with leave our church. And they heard, and they were like calling me, trying to fly me out to Arizona to help, you know, with the thing. And I remember watching my wife walk through the gates exhausted with the flu. Yeah. Um, it just feeling really heavy. Like it just it put this really hard taste in my mouth. Um, and I remember being expected to be there Tuesday morning. Like I didn't call in and I didn't show up for work. And everybody's like, "Where the heck are you?" And I'm like, "Well, my kid almost died. Like I'm not. I'm not coming to work." Like. Um, it was like, oh yeah, like, but like there just wasn't, there wasn't a lot of, there wasn't a lot of support. Uh, things got difficult in the role I was in, and every time I got something where I took on a new ministry, and then uh, it usually had to do with like me criticizing something, and then it was like my punishment was given more responsibility. So if I criticized a worship service, I was given the responsibility of running that. If I criticized how the leadership handled home groups, I was given the responsibility of taking those on college and just different things. Um, it did turn out to be a fun way to figure out which things I wanted to do because I would just complain about things and I would get them. <laughs> um, in that season, I remember Daisy was born, and so while we're right, right in the middle of the all the health stuff, I tell Kylie, like, I'm just really struggling with my weight. I can't get my weight under control. I was 280 pounds. And I'm like, I think I'm going to join this 12-step program. And Kylie's like, this is literally the worst time you could be doing this. Like, she's like, I can't cook for you. This is crazy. This is nuts. And I just really felt like I was supposed to step into it. I printed a picture. It's somewhere over here. Oh, there it is. You can see it here. So there's a side-by-side -side of what I looked like in the beginning and what I looked like nine months into it. This is like, when I was in FA, they would go to the, you'd go to these meetings and people would show their pictures. They call me fat photos, but you're, uh, every, they're like these like badges of honor. So it's super funny. But in that group, I learned, I experienced this really radical honesty and like transformation that was really, really beautiful. Um, it wasn't a church-sponsored one. It was a very, like, it was basically AA. Um, and, yeah, I was I was criticized a lot for it. I usually have a lot of negative comments from staff. Because um, I would pack my food everywhere, and I would make a zillion phone calls whenever I got stressed. And, um, it was just really, really tough. And it was, it was the thing that kept me from becoming an elder, which was really interesting. Um... So Kylie came to me in January of 2016 and said she wanted me to pray about our future. We go on the date with the map. She circles, she puts a heart around Boise with this pink highlighter. I said, absolutely not. That's, I want to go where there's people, not just trees. Um, I was like, I feel called to people, not to nature. Um, and we visited and we did. We drove in and we felt like there was God's peace here and... Um, and then we came back for an anniversary trip and felt like this was it so we told the leadership they asked us to not talk about it because 
the children's pastor who had been there for like 14 years had quit over relational issues. The junior high pastor had been there for 12 years left for relational issues. Um, and I wrestled with a lot with what I wanted, what to do, because I wanted to plant through my home church. Like, it was the church I came to Christ in. It was the church I gave, like, so much of my time and my life and my soul to. Um, and so I I simply just wanted to do prayer meetings and go to, like, church plant conferences and stuff like that. And they told me, absolutely not. You're not doing that. So I go to my pastor and I say, hey, I think we'd had these meetings for four months, four or six months. It was like every week too. They were like three hours long. And it was just like, are you here? Are you here? And I'm like, I'm here. I love the kids. I love what I'm doing. Everything's going great. But I do feel this pull. Um, and so I realized like I wasn't walking in the same direction as them anymore. Um, and so I said, hey, I need to step down. And I want to... I'd love to be a part of helping the new guy when he comes on, if I'm around, and all stuff. I'd love to see it through the school year, but you and the elders get to decide because you're running the church. Um, after a staff meeting, I was told the elders were in the building, and I was ushered into a room. And as we're walking into the room, I was told that um, you don't feel like we I adequately represent you to the elders so you're gonna you're gonna represent yourself and they just I walked into the room and they brought a bunch of accusations up and stuff that was taken out of context but it was stuff that I couldn't just be like no that, that is not what was said um, and so I ended up just sitting there being like man this is the worst and uh, they're like yeah you've got two weeks and I remember sobbing and saying, man, I have, I'd love to volunteer for the high school kids. Like, I'll do it for free. And they're like, no, we think it needs a clean break. Um, and then, what about my home group? It's okay, we're going to give that to somebody else. I was like, so I'm not allowed to do anything here, but you still want me to be here. And I was like, I'll be here for two weeks. And after that, I don't know if I'm going to keep coming. Like, I don't believe this is what church is uh, because this is what you've taught me. Like, I don't. I believe church is contributing and being a part of the body. And what you're telling me is you don't want me to be a part of your body. Um, and so the my last Sunday when they they announced it to the church, my pastor preached a sermon about God shaking the trees and breaking these dead branches off. And my youth kids were like, <laughs> Is that Mike and Tyler? Are they the dead branches? <coughs> and my pastor couldn't really answer them. And so it just was hard. Like, I gave a lot of my soul um, to that place. And I love that place. And, and I genuinely still love my old pastor. He's flawed, for sure, and I struggle with forgiveness with uh, his right-hand guy that was like my father figure. Um, he encouraged me to be, the way he taught me to be a husband was a horrible example, um, and there's a lot of shame I carry in my marriage over how I 
how I lived in the early years. Uh, so I've, this is why I'm in counseling. Uh, this is also why I say I can relate, relate with people that are wounded by the church. And I think the interesting thing is when I got here and I shared some of my stories with some pastors, they were like, why on earth are you planting a church? Um, and it's because I still do love the church. And I believe God's made his church beautiful. Even in the midst of broken and flawed and jacked up people, and which I would 100% throw myself in the mix. Like, I don't think I'm any better than my old leadership. Um, me and my, just so you guys are aware, me and the leadership of my old church have met two or three times in the pursuit of reconciliation. Um, and it's never really gotten to a place that feels very genuine. Um, and I don't know. I don't know what that what that is. What that hold up is there. Um, when I look back at those years, my mentality is not that I'm right and they're wrong, or they're right and I'm wrong. I think I think everybody's wrong. I think I did stuff that was wrong. They, I believe, did stuff that was wrong. Um, and I, yeah, I just ended up feeling like, man, like those years were just super hard and super challenging. Planting out here has been really hard and really challenging for the wet salad that we've tried to lean into. We obviously have two more kids because we stepped into foster care, and uh, which was a was something Kylie talked to me about when we were first dating, and I was like, abs I, I don't think I said absolutely not. She was like, I'm going to go into foster and adopt. And I was like, I don't know. That's how we have the conversation about kids. And uh, Kylie just faithfully would bring it to me year after year. We were married. She's like, I really want to do this. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. And one one point I realized, like, there's not a good time to ever step into that. And so, I don't know when this was, like, three years ago now, probably. We decided to step into the foster care system. Got really involved and fell in love with this the potential to pour into other people and to help restore their family and stuff like that. So, um, which kind of brings us to today. So, I love, I love these meetings and I think these are super valuable for all of us as believers. 